Welcome to Everyday Animism, a weekly podcast exploring all things animism, particularly how animism impacts everyday life. The podcast is hosted by Kelly Harrell, Brandis Schnabel, and Janet Roper. Let's dive in. Welcome. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? All right. This is Brandis. Uh, Kelly's here. We're waiting on Janet. I might have just attacked myself with my tripod. That's a thing you can apparently do. Hi, Janet. Hi there. How you doing? Good. Hello. So we talked a little bit beforehand, um, and I'll go ahead and start things up. We're talking about some of the different complexities of consciously existing animistically in modern times um, compared to historically. Um, and one thing that stuck out to me as a specific conversation was the space that we occupy, the complexity of occupying space that we have now with the number of people we have now. And once you start engaging in a conscious animistic relationship with the things around you, the things that come up with that. And I think there are, you know, there's the obvious, you know, carbon footprint conversation, um, I think there's some other nuance in where I know for me um, at times there's been a shying away from stepping into an animistic understanding of things because of the, I feel like I used guilt as a way to hide from facing my part in all of that and used the, the enormity of it as a way of avoiding just stepping into the realization itself. I wonder if either of you can kind of speak to that or some other aspect of it. I don't think I really understood what it meant to be deeply aware as a consumer, not, not just like I recycle, but um, the impact that it has spiritually until I did my Druidic study years ago. I mean, it's probably been 15 years ago now, but that mm -hmm. was the first point that it really tied together for me and I began to understand that we are facing a unique problem in mm -hmm. that anybody who's awake knows that there are too many of us on the planet mm -hmm. and what we have to do to provide for all of us is not good for the planet or for us really so, yeah. you know, being able to find ways at a micro level to have a personal impact is the name of the game and where you can have a more collective impact. You do. That. Yeah. And I, I think this is one way in which the enormity of it, um, like it can be paralyzing. Like if you, if you, in some ways, the idea of animism or animism as a thing is it can be really overwhelming. And, you know, if everything has agency, everything is a person. If you keep expanding that out, it can be this way that you use to paralyze yourself in doing anything. And I, I also started to get an inkling of that in my druidic studies, uh, uh, druid studies also. And it made me really uncomfortable because I feel like there's this need to understand the global impact, the massive impact of each of our individual impact on the planet and the space we take up where we spa take, spa take up space with unnecessary things or things that are harmful. 
but the, the, the second step to that is, but what's my immediate relationship with the thing in front of me and making sure that you start at that digestible first step, right? Rather than just saying the planet is screwed. And I think a lot of people just stop there and either catastrophize or they go way too big in what they want to do. And they're still not having that immediate reaction or immediate relationship with the thing right in front of them. Agreed. One of the things that I find difficult here in Montana is the recycling um, because with China not accepting the recycling from the United States and now Montana has to ship it out, the recycling uh, plants aren't taking what they used to. So it's difficult for me to look at this object that's in front of me and say, I really would like to reuse you, but I don't know how to reuse you and I don't know the best way to do Mm -hmm. it. So in that sense, I can lose my breath and my hands can feel tied. Now, flipping that over, the good side of that is that it um, encourages me to think of creative ways to work with this, this item that's in front of me and to do things differently. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, this doesn't help with the backlog of things that you already have in your house and you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to deal with them, like electronics and those kinds of things. But it definitely impacts what I buy now i mean not just from the green standpoint and the quasi political standpoint of what do i support but seriously i'm not bringing all of that packaging into my house i I mean it i mean you know there are certain purchases that i'm like okay how can i do this without bringing all the packaging in or do i even need this if if Mm -hmm. it means i have to have this packaging do i really need this and what's the shelf life of this item itself is it worth it is Mm -hmm. it worth trying to figure out how to dispose of it down the road right yeah and I for me um I didn't realize until we were in our house for a couple years I think my husband actually um informed me that you know everything we have recycling you know they gather recycling we have separate containers um And we're pretty diligent about our recycling, but I found out, you know, it's been several years now that um, it's just going to its own landfill right now because there's nowhere to take that recycling to be recycled locally or, you know, I don't remember the exact logistics of why it can't be recycled, but it can't actually be recycled. And so in some ways, like I have to make my peace with the part where I can't make someone recycle the things I've sorted, but can I simply create less trash and less recycling? You know, like you were saying, like how important is it that I have this thing? Can I simply have less of these things that are difficult to dispose of that are bad for the environment? Can I think about, you know, like I think I talked last week about the straw thing or the toothbrush thing, you know, I got bamboo toothbrushes, the bristles are recyclable, the sticks are recyclable. And I still had that moment where I'm like, well, here's the plastic one I was using. You know, I still have to throw this in the trash, <laughs> you know? Yes. I We have to make our peace with where we live in. We can't all go live at the top of a mountain in a, you know, zero footprint hut. Right. And make our own electricity and you know all that we take up space and I think too we take up so much more space 
than humans ever have in terms of, you know, we take up space, not just where we physically are, but where, you know, I have an office that's separate from my house and part of my family is in multiple places right now. We're taking up space in, in a lot of different places that we aren't physically located in every moment. The straw conversation. I had an awareness today driving around town that you know, I just stopped and picked up some iced tea and they gave me the straw and um, I took it unconsciously. And then mm-hmm. I realized that I had like two or three other straws in the car and I'm going, holy buckets. You know, this is a place where I can improve that I don't think I use stars or straws and here three of them are lo- looking at me in the face right here in the car. So that was a really... Mm-hmm. That was a good eye-opener for me. I'm glad that happened. Kind of embarrassed, kind of chagrined, and I'm still glad it happened. And I think, um, was it on Facebook this week that there was that we had a conversation, there was an article someone wrote about the fact that that conversation about straws is not about banning straws themselves, because straws are adaptive equipment for, you know, it, it's sort of ableist to say that we should do away with straws as a as a thing that there are people who depend on them to be able to drink to be able to eat that there are people who would depend on things that have an environmental impact and our goal can't be for the human race to have a zero footprint zero carbon footprint if that makes that and that's where i think it's, it's sort of paralyzing if you try to aim for that perfect goal Correct. i mean it's, we also can't throw up our hands, but there's this balance in the middle that's very tricky and individual. There are still people who don't understand that they have to make different choices in order for this to change. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the sweet spot with calling for bans and realizing that this will impact some people in a negative way and doing what you can to educate people in how they make these really small choices, I think Mm -hmm. is still really significant. I will never exist on the mountaintop and live in the cave, you know, by myself to my own extreme, because I, in order to stay alive, I have to use medical supplies every day Mm -hmm. that I think about, you know, well, I mean, I see my own trash can. I can only imagine the landfills that this takes up. But yet, I like living. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I, there's a reason we don't still live in caves and at the top of hills in a hut. I mean, we've made choices to innovate beyond those things. And... We've made a choice to have more than a 0% carbon footprint on the planet. And we can't really dial that all the way back down to zero. We, you know, we are who we are. And some of what we are now means that more of us live longer, live at all, um, live differently. And some of that we consciously chose along the way. And some, you know, I just, I think too often we look at like, how do we undo all of it rather than how can I do it differently or with more intention, not even about like taking up this amount less space, but how do I take up space responsibly? How do I 
tend the space I've chosen to quote own that I don't really own. And how do I, you know, minimize the harm I do while I'm occupying that space? Part of the conversation has to be the spiritual influences of all of these Mm -hmm. things. The Mm -hmm. things, you know, do they want to be in our home? That's the question Mm -hmm. nobody asks. But also, um, these are systems that we're creating, you know, mass production, mass consumerism. They become life forces all their own. And we have Mm -hmm. to, at some point, consciously engage in those relationships and figure Mm -hmm. out what our balance with those is and what we do as individuals to to try to keep that system itself in balance because Mm -hmm. we all know what systems out of balance do the Mm -hmm. destruction that they do so there's a Mm -hmm. point where that spiritual part of those granular decisions has to be remembered alongside Mm -hmm. the decision itself and I, i think remembering the life forces that are attached to those things as well you know when we talk about the straws um, banning all straws, you know, that's, that's not just, um, you know, a limit. First of all, it wouldn't, that's not an overnight solution. What would you do with all the ones already created? Who has a job creating those, you know, who there's just so much more that goes into it. You know, when we're talking about systems, it's just, uh, the complexity of taking up spaces, it is, so much trickier, I think, than it has been historically, maybe just by the nature of our continued evolution and the fact that we're not evolving very consciously. And but we're it's not a lot nomadic. trickier. I mean, we, we, I, I mean, if you look at ancient cultures, they, through periods of time, would occupy a space, but they knew when they needed to move on, not just because they were running out of resources there, but because the resources wouldn't be able to replenish themselves if they stayed there. We mm-hmm. don't have we don't have that much room anymore. Yeah, I just want to pop in for a second. Say if you hear any um, dog tags that are jingling, that's Max. We're downstairs instead of upstairs. Um, because the windows are open upstairs and I was afraid he'd bark at horses. So you might hear my dog, Max. (laughs) Hi, Max. So I guess um, what, uh, you know, with our, our last, you know, five or so minutes, what are some concrete ways that we might be more productively intentional around the space we occupy? For, for me, a first step feels like maybe just looking at what is in that space, what, what purpose it serves. If it isn't serving a purpose, what's the most responsible way to dispose of it? Do things want to be in that space? Do you feel connected to those, to those things? Um, are you entitled to be in the space you're in? Um, is there a way to take up less space? Those kind of, kind of an inventory of the space you take up, Um, not just, I think, physically in your immediate, you know, where I'm sitting right now, but everywhere, you know, do I have a, you know, storage unit full of crap? Do I have, you know, overflowing garbage cans that, you know, maybe I could fill more mindfully, that kind of thing. 
I like that, Brandy. For me, it's that. Plus, it's also looking at the, um, the lessons that I learned from my parents and my grandparents and that I accept unconsciously. And to become aware of those and see if they really are helping me, helping me live more sustainably, helping me um, be more of an animist, a realistic animist, animist, or if they are just in the way. Mm-hmm. I look at it elementally also from the standpoint of how much energy does it use for me to maintain mm-hmm. my stuff? Like literally the space that I'm in, but the stuff that I have, you know, how cold does it need to be? How warm does it need to be? How much water do I mm-hmm. really need to, to use for X, Y, Z? I mean, there is an, an elemental component of that immediate space awareness. Yeah. A second ring out from that for me is understanding where it goes when it leaves my house in the local community. Mm-hmm. And if they're equipped to deal with certain things, if they aren't, and then understanding what I need to support at a local community level to get those, um, I don't know, what do you call them, to get those other fixtures in place. Yeah. Because, you know, like Janet said, in this area, they're backing off more and more on what they will take and what they can take. So Mm -hmm. then what is the thing that I need to be supporting? Where where do I need to put that activism? Yeah. Bring it here. Yep. I really like that um, distinction about the, the energy that is taken up by, you know, specific ownership of things or, um, Yeah. I mean, the bigger, it's like, I mean, even in terms of, do you need an enormous house that requires heating and cooling? I I mean, it's, it can be as simple as that, or it can be more of a metaphor of, you know, how much tending does this require? How much more of a footprint do I create by tending it? Am I going to tend it? Am I bringing stuff into my space that I'm not going to care for thoughtfully? And I think the other thing that is important for me in something that I've had to learn and that I think I see a lot just from my perspective is that guilt around all of this is a complete cop-out. Like just sitting in the realization that, you know, we fucked some things up. We've not gotten it right. We've over-consumed. We personally maybe have, we've got too much stuff. Um, If we just sit in that initial feeling of guilt there's no, there's nothing that benefits. The thing that we've overused doesn't benefit, has no feelings about that. The planet doesn't immediately begin to heal. Nothing comes of that feeling of guilt. And it's often used as like a bypass Mm -hmm. to just do some small, meaningful work around it. The guilt has to be a motivator or it serves Mm -hmm. no purpose. It has to be the first step that catapults you into some self-realization that do you then take action to change. And ideally, as an animist, when you make that realization at a self-level and you actualize that in change, then you become more capable of doing that at a community Mm -hmm. level. Yeah, and I think you're also honoring the relationship with guilt as itself an entity worth honoring, where we sit in guilt and just stare at it blankly we're not honoring that relationship. Guilt shows up, like you said, as a first step for something. If you don't take the first step, I mean, yeah, it's just a pointless thing. 
and you're not honoring just even that simple relationship with that emotion you're having. So I think it's important to step out of the guilt and step into the what can you do right now and start there and don't stop there. And I think it's those really small steps that we realize that we can take at this moment in time that make an incredibly big difference, um, not only in the way that we are in relationship with an, in an animistic relationship, but also giving us courage that, hey, I did this. Yes, I did this step. I can take the next step. Mm-hmm. And they need to be small steps or you won't do them. And it isn't personal. That's the way humans work. That's the way the human mind works. It's much harder to change a poorly internalized habit than it is to just learn another one, to make that Mm -hmm. sort of exchange. And so, I mean, that process is hard for all of us. It takes work. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're Mm -hmm. saying, Brandy, it's not going to just magically happen because you made the realization. It takes effort. But you can do it in really small, granular ways. They don't put you out too much. Yeah, I think think also, go ahead, Janet. I think also that when we do it in the small granular ways, that we can also be role models for our neighbors, Mm -hmm. the people Mm -hmm. that surround us, because they say, hey, you're Mm -hmm. doing that. I can try that, too. And I yes, I like that. And I also I think it's important also to, you know, I guess clarify from what I've been saying, I feel like I've been uh, verbalizing it all from a standpoint of like occupying space is inherently ba- bad. Um, and it's not, we can also choose to occupy space with the intention of serving that space, you know, cleaning up a park, um, you know, planting a garden, we're taking some ownership and some, some control of a space, but it's for something good. It's serving a purpose We're, you know, engaging the soil and what it's there for, you know, and, um, You know, I don't think it's the idea is that we all have to move into like, you know, tiny efficiency apartments and take up the least space possible. But if we're going to take up space, how can we do it thoughtfully in the spaces we're already in? And if we're going to enter new space, can we serve that space as well? I think that's important. And when we've talked about going outside, engaging your nature spirits, you know, in the meantime, while you're out there with your nature spirits, does like does your yard need mowed or, you know, does something need tended or pruned or, you know, there's, I think it's not just about, you know, eliminating our footprint, but also maybe engaging in a more positive footprint. I think it's important too, to realize that when we're talking about planting gardens, doesn't necessarily need to be on the place where we reside. We could do it in a community garden. Mm Mm-hmm. I have orientation this Saturday to learn how to grow things in a community garden. Hey, that is so awesome. I can't wait to hear about it. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully I won't kill everything I plant. But I, yeah, I just, I think it's important to also recognize that we're here. We do take up space. We're always going to take up space until we're extinct. um, At which point this conversation will be meaningless. And, you know, we can also simply take up space more mindfully like step into new spaces in a way that's beneficial. Because we step into those new spaces with the um, knowledge that we've gained Mm -hmm. by working with our old space. Mm -hmm. And just honoring that space for being, I mean, we can step into a space and simply appreciate it rather than taking it over, changing it, 
we could clean it, tend it, thank it for being there, thank, you know, whether it's something we built or a clearing with really beautiful flowers, you know, either one. So anyone else have anything on taking up space? I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> I think that works well for me. Said. Yeah. Okay. We should be mindful about the space we've taken in this podcast then. <laughs> Time is a space. That might be a conversation mm-hmm. for another podcast. Yes. It is. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you ladies for your time. And uh, let us know, uh, any of you who are listening, if there's something you want to talk about, want us to talk about from the standpoint of animism, hit us up. Uh, the website is everydayanimism.tumblr.com. You can find information about all three of us. And we will see you next week. See you later, ladies. Take good care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you'd like more information on Kelly, Brandis, or Janet, or to listen to past episodes of our podcast, get some more information on our resource page, you can find all of those tidbits at everydayanimism.tumblr.com. See you next week.